All right, good morning. I uh, just want to welcome you to, uh, to the Rock Church, to our online service this morning. Uh, for those of you who say, uh, my church is on the mountain, hey, we're bringing it to you right from the mountain. Um, since we're uh, meeting outside right now, we're pre-recording our uploaded sermons. And uh, so we had options. So I thought, hey, why not get out into our beautiful bighorns and uh, bring a message from there this morning. So, so thankful that you've uh, joined us this morning. My name is Tri. I'm one of the pastors here at the Rock Church. Uh, if you're new, we would love to just say welcome to you. We're so grateful that you came, that you chose to worship with us this morning. We can't wait until we're able to just meet together and things get back to some semblance of normal. Uh, but for now, we're really grateful to be able to live stream, to be able to have these options and to bring them to you. So we hope that you're blessed today. We hope that you're blessed by the message. Uh, just a little bit of business uh, as we kind of go uh, on here. One thing is that we won't be doing um, a live worship set uh, for this. So we're just going to be encouraging you uh, to, to think about creating your own worship set. Uh, spend some time either before uh, the message or after the message, just um, in worship, opening your heart and your mind to the things that, that God would want to teach you. Um, as soon as we're taken back in right now for our, uh, for our morning services, we'll get back to just kind of the way we usually do it, which is with our worship team and things like that. But because of uh, meeting outside so that we can meet as many people's needs as possible and bring as many people together, and, and raise that comfort level so that we can uh, worship together. Until we're driven back inside by the weather, um, we'll be doing it this way. And to just keep it from being too taxing on our volunteer teams, uh, we're just gonna encourage you to uh, do a worship set on your own. Uh, take your phone, make you a little worship set, and, and spend some time uh, in worship again, either prior to or after. So. Let's see, we are continuing this morning um, in our journey through uh, the Psalms of Ascent. And uh, we are in Psalm 131 this week. And Psalm 131 reads like this. It says, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So we have, we have just three verses in uh, this psalm this week, but it's a deep three verses. There's a lot to unpack in that, and I'm sure that we won't totally do it justice this morning. But... Uh, those three verses just have a whole lot to do with how we're approaching life and what we're doing. Let's pray together before we head forward. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us your word, that you have uh, made a way that we can know you in a deeper place where we can fellowship together. We're grateful for this day that you've made, Lord. We pray your protection over all those who are 
out there who might be vulnerable to, to sickness and, and, and to this, uh, uh, this coronavirus, Lord. We pray your protection over each one. Lord, we pray a quick end to this. And Lord, we pray for the schools as they open back up, as we begin to, to meet again um, in classrooms. I pray your protection over the, the kids and the teachers. Pray, Lord, that school would go on, that sports would, would continue, that opportunities to, to fellowship and connect uh, wouldn't be disrupted by this. Lord, we want to give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise this morning. We, we sit in the middle of your beautiful creation, Lord, and we just give uh, just credit and awe to you for who you are, that you're this great and wonderful God who has done far beyond what we could ever imagine or think up or, or uh, come up with on our own. So Lord, we just wanna hear from you this day. We pray that you would fill us with your spirit, Lord, and, and teach us and guide us, Lord, and, and then direct us in our lives. Uh, give us direction, help us to know where you want us to go and, and why we would go there. Help us to know, Lord, how to speak into the culture, into the world around us, and help us to do it in a way that is winsome and loving. Help us to, to, to approach the struggles and the trouble in the world around us the way that you did, Lord where you, you never compromised truth, but yet you were attractive. You drew people to yourself in the midst of that. May your church and your people uh, just emulate you in how you've approached the world around you. So Lord, we, uh, we just wanna lift up our community to you. We wanna pray over our community. We wanna pray over our nation at this time, Lord. We pray that you would draw many to yourself, Lord. And we pray that first and foremost, that our hearts would be set right before you, that it would be our deepest desire, Lord, to, to follow you with the whole of our being, Lord. And, and that, Lord, we would just be quick to do business of repentance and, and prayer and petition before you, Lord. And we just ask that you would hear our prayers, Lord, and that you would move in a way that brings you glory and honor, a way that blesses all because that's the God that you are. And we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So this psalm. O oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and marvelous for me. What an interesting way to uh, enter into this psalm. It, it, it's an entrance point that says, I'm acknowledging God that you're bigger than me, that you're greater than me, that your knowledge is something that I really can't attain to. And the reality of my life is that I really need to hear from you. I need to kind of stay within my pay grade and I need to operate my life and, and order my life according to how you've called me to and the good things that you've called us to, uh, to, to do and to practice um, in our lives and in the world around us. You know, I, I, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking about two things. And the first thing I'm thinking about is how we can get caught up in so many things in our mind. There's, there are so many what ifs, there are so many, wow, what, have you, what about this and what about that? There's so many mysteries in the world that we live in that I think that we can get really caught up in that in a way that really doesn't bless us. It doesn't help us. It, it doesn't further our relationship to God. What it, what it does is it kind of keeps us wrapped up in, in, in mindless um, thoughts, um, ideas that we can't really grasp or understand. I think that there's a real need for us as believers to get to a place of being comfortable with recognizing that we're not gonna get it all, that, that we don't understand it all, that Paul, in Corinthians 13 says that we see through a glass right now dimly, 
but one day we'll know in full just as we have been fully known. So the idea of really getting some of these things is a concept that isn't going to happen for us today. It's not going to happen for us here. The promise is, is that revelation beyond uh, what our capacity to understand today is a promise and a thing that we can hope for and look for in the future. And so we don't want to begin to limit our effectiveness in this world by being caught up in, in, in ideologies and thoughts and um, kind of debates that really don't bless us. Things that are kind of ancillary to what the real calling of this life is for us. That, that Jesus has called us to live in a manner that... Um, that is about making disciples. It's about seeing the lost saved. It's about proclaiming the truth that's been proclaimed to us. It's not about solving all of the mysteries of the universe. And so I think that's one way that that, that psalmist can just, you know, sums up and just says that um, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. As a matter of fact, in Jeremiah 33, 3, it says this, it says, call on me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and marvelous things which you do not know. You see, there's a promise from God that if we go to him in our confusion, in our struggle, instead of sometimes just trying to uh, fix or, or figure it out on ourselves, uh, that, that he's there. He's a God who's ready to communicate and to speak some of these things to us. But we've also got to recognize that even if God was to give it to us, the limited capacity of a finite mind just isn't ever going to be able to grasp it or take it all in or make sense of it all regardless. And so, so we just want to get comfortable with this idea. But one of the things that this does for us is, is when we don't get things or we don't get the circumstances around us or we don't understand why the world looks like it does today or or why we're in the middle of some kind of a uh, 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 of this it, this COVID-19 thing or, or why we're in the political division and disarray that our nation is in, um, why we don't understand why disasters happen and things like that. It drives us to try to take control. Those things drive us to, to try to find a way to, to grab control of the situation so that we somehow believe that the outcome is one that we can somehow control and, and that we can get the outcome to come around to a spot where we would like it to be or where we would be comfortable with it being. I think one of the interesting examples in, in, in the gospel of that is, is in the life of Peter and where Peter says uh, basically, you know, he says to Jesus, he says, look, I'm, I'm ready to follow you to death. And, and much of the Jewish population at that time, and I very much believe Peter too, believed that, that Jesus was going to fulfill a lot of his second coming uh, predictions, uh, the first coming, and, and that he was going to defeat the Romans, that he was going to just boot the Romans out of their occupation of, uh, of, of Israel and, and restore the Jewish people back to freedom. And, and so he was ready for a revolt. He was ready for a revolution. And, and, and Jesus was telling him, he was like, look, um, actually, you know, you're, you're, you're not actually going to follow me right now where I'm going. As a matter of fact, you're going to do something different. You're, you're actually going to be humbled in this time. Interesting thing, Jesus had told Peter even at this point, he says, look, Satan has requested to sift you like wheat. 
Can you imagine if Jesus told you, hey, hey, try. Satan has requested to sift you like wheat. I would have been like, well, you said no, right? I mean, you said no. I mean, Satan, right? The Satan, you said no, right? Jesus, I mean, he's a... But you see, that's not the case. What, what happened and what really needed to happen, I think, in Peter's life was this idea that Peter needed to let go of the idea of control. Peter needed humility in his life. He needed to be humbled. He needed to be brought back to a place of dependence on God and not a place of trying to control the outcome. So what happens when the soldiers all show up in the Garden of Gethsemane? To arrest Jesus, it's Peter who pulls his sword out and lops some guy's ear off, right? He, he lops off uh, Malchus, the high priest's uh, servant, and, 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 and basically almost begins this whole thing because I think he's believing, okay, it's time. It's time for the insurrection to start. It's time for the revolt to begin. And so he pulls his sword out and this is his solution and his answer to what's going on. But what does Jesus say? He's like, put the sword back, right? If my kingdom was of this world, then that's how we would do it. But my kingdom is of a higher place. My kingdom is different than that. My kingdom isn't about you exerting your control and getting your outcome. My kingdom is about you seeking me first. My kingdom is about your humility. It's about your obedience to me. It's, it, it's a different kind of power that is going to overtake this world, that is going to change the world. And Peter had to learn that. So we see later on in in 1 Peter, we see he says, hey, humble yourself before the mighty hand of the Lord, right? That he might exalt you, right? And cast all of your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. And what he's saying is that when we're anxious and we're, we're feeling like everything is out of control, to understand and know that we are serving a God who's in control, who, who, isn't, who hasn't lost control, who, who hasn't, uh, things haven't, haven't spiraled out of his ability to change them or to control the circumstances, but we begin to trust and believe and know that this God has an outcome. He has an outcome that, that, that is favorable. It's something that we are looking to and trusting in. I think it, uh, as we go on here, it says this, it says, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. When we start trying to do things our way, the psalmist here is telling us we're like an unweaned child. And an unweaned child is always trying to satisfy that little itch, always trying to find satisfaction in what they believe will bring it. So, so when we have babies, and if you've, if you've raised babies, you know that when they're sick or when they're uncomfortable or when they have different things, they want to nurse. They want to, they want to go to that place of comfort that they know, believing that it will bring them comfort. But what do they, they, they do? They nurse for a minute and then they just start to cry again because the, the reality of their life is, is that they don't really know what they need. They just think that if I go to this spot, if I, if I go and I, and I nurse, that's going to, that's going to fix it because it fixes my hunger. 
right? And so in our lives, we have these different hungers. We have these different things in the world that begin to pull at us. They begin to, we believe that those things are going to provide for us the satisfaction that we're seeking. We believe that those things are going to provide fulfillment even into our lives and that those things are going to fix us. Right, and so, so we cry for those things and we, we struggle and they, they occupy our mind. They keep us from a place of peace, right? Matthew 11, Jesus says this. He says, come to me, all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying, you, you're, you're working at all of these different things. You're, you're, you're trying to chase down these things. You have no quietness in your soul because you're chasing what can never fulfill. You're trying to fill your life with things that were never meant to fill your life. They were never meant to satisfy in the way that only God can and his purposes and his ways in our lives. So Jesus is calling us to join him in the work that he's doing. He's saying, look, put my yoke on. He's not saying lay on the couch and eat potato chips and and I'm gonna just give you peace. He says, no, put my yoke on. Start to live life for the purposes that I've called you to. Start to understand the identity that you have in me, why I've called you and what I've called you for. And then you'll start to find the purpose and the things that you're looking for. You'll start to quiet your soul. You see that the things that are on the periphery will stay on the periphery because we won't believe that those will be the very things that'll satisfy us. We live in a world that's told us that it's all about what you drive and who you're with and how big your bank account is. It's, it's about these other things. It's about your hobbies. It's about how good you are at things. It's about how good of a singer you are. It's about how beautiful you are. It's about how young you are. It's about what kind of work you do. And, and you see, God is saying, you can't find identity and purpose in those things. Now, those things are good things. And, and sometimes maybe part of our, of our work and, and maybe, you know, might be found in those things for sure. But that doesn't define us. That doesn't, that doesn't bring to us really the satisfaction that only our relationship with Jesus can bring. I think a great example of this is, is in uh, John chapter 4. And, and in John chapter 4, we see Jesus meet with a woman at a well, right? And, and, and she meets, he meets her there at noon probably because of the struggles that she's had in her life and the things that she's tried to fill her life in, believing that those things would bring her security and identity and safety and, and, and meaning and all of these things. And, and so Jesus sits down with, at this well with her and he just simply starts off by saying, hey, give me a drink. And her response to him is like, who do you think you are? Why are you even asking me for a drink? Why are you a Jew even talking to me, a Samaritan woman, right? Her, her response is somewhat hostile. And Jesus says, hey, if you, if you knew the gift of God and who you were talking to, you would have asked me and I would have given you living water. 
Jesus starts to flip the conversation a little bit and he starts to flip it away from the physical, although he's using water as an example of what satisfies us, what, 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 what will uh, bring us satisfaction, what, what brings even life to us, because we got to have water to have life. And Jesus is saying, I got a different kind of water than what you're actually chasing. You, you, he's telling her, look, he says, you know, basically, um, if, if you came to me, I'd give you some living water. Her response to that, again, is kind of hostile. She's like, well, who do you think? You don't even have a bucket. You don't even have a rope. What do you think? You're better than Jacob who gave us this well and watered their livestock. I mean, who do you think you are anyway? And Jesus, Jesus says to her, he says, you know what? He says, everybody who drinks of this well is going to thirst again. You drink of that water, it just leaves you thirsty. I have something different. You see, there's an interesting thing with this idea uh, of thirsting again. You see, there's a law of diminishing returns out there. And I don't care what you do or what you try to find your satisfaction in apart from God. You'll be uh, subject to the law of diminishing returns. In other words, what you do starts to get boring. It, It gets old. It gets to be old hat. So you have to step up your game constantly. You're constantly having to work at it. If your thing is action and adventure, it constantly has to get ramped up. Why? Because somebody else might be doing something better. Somebody might be doing something more exciting. Or, or, or you just have to, you have to always one-up yourself or somebody else. You see, you can never live in that real quietness. Not that anything, not that even some of our hobbies or adventures are necessarily wrong, but when our perspective on those things becomes that this is my identity, this is who I am, and, and this is what is going to serve me, and this is what is going to bring me meaning and identity and fulfillment in my life, then it becomes an idol, and it, it, it starts to enter over into a place of, of not really being right for us or with us. So Jesus tells her, he says, look, you're, you're drinking out of the wrong well. He says, you're, you, you, you are drinking out of the wrong well. You, uh, you're drinking out of a well that's going to just cause you to thirst again. You're just going to have to chase it. If you even catch it, if you even catch this thing that you believe is going to bring you satisfaction, you're just going to get thirsty again and you have to chase it again. And then you'll get thirsty again, and you'll have to chase it again and again and again. But he says, I have water that when you drink of it, you'll never, ever thirst again. You'll never thirst again. And so she says, okay, deal. Give me some of that water. If you've got some of that living water and I wouldn't have to come back here day after day to draw water. Okay, I'll take that deal. Give me some of that living water. And Jesus then challenges her with the thing that is her issue. The thing that she's been chasing, believing that it would bring her security and um, meaning and identity. He says, go get your husband. Go get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. Now for a lady in this culture back there, there was a real need to have a male um, security, safety, provision in your life. It's a very male-dominated culture, patriarchal culture, right? And there was a need for a lady uh, to have a, a, a man, a husband, even to, to, to protect her and to bring her safety. Well, Jesus says, hey, you're right. You don't have a husband. You don't have a husband, and the guy you're with, he's not your husband either. Now think about this. 
she is so um she is considered so low in the culture that she's in that the guy that she's with won't even do her the honor of marrying her if she's had five husbands and we don't know why she's had five husbands i can promise you though if she's had five husbands people see her as accursed if, if they've died or if she's been divorced or maybe a combination of those two things, we don't really know, but she has continually sought after the next relationship, the next relationship, the next relationship in order to find her security, her meaning. And she's gotten so desperate with the idea that this is the only thing that is gonna do it for me is that she is willing to compromise her integrity and live with a man who won't do her the justice or the honor of marrying her. He's just gonna use her. And in this culture, it is just unheard of. It's just, it, it, it's so um, terrible that she would be in this spot. But Jesus is offering her this thing and he's saying, look, I, I have something. I have living water for you. And if you'll, if you'll drink of that, you, you'll never thirst anymore. It'll actually take your relationship struggles and those issues that you got and it'll, it'll help to align them into a better place. It'll, it'll put them in their right place, in their right perspective. We were created for relationships, but we were never created to believe that human relationships could replace our relationship to God or provide for us the thing that we're really looking for, which is the love and the acceptance of our creator. And so, so Jesus, um, he, he basically, in a nutshell, is offering really to be her husband because he's inviting her into a relationship with himself. And, and, and he's, he's inviting her there to be part of the church. And when we look into the, Old, the New Testament, what do we see? We see that Jesus is the groom and all those who are in the church are his bride. He's in essence saying, I'll give you that meaning and that identity. I'll marry you, I'll be your husband and I'll provide for you the thing that you thought that you could get there. And, and, and through the series of different things, there's more to the story like you know, but what's really interesting is that it says that she leaves her water pot right there. She leaves it because she's been filled. And it says that she goes back up into the village. And I believe that the village contains the very people that she has been hiding from. That she's been hiding from these people, that she's went to the well at noon because she doesn't want to hear the snickers. She doesn't want to hear um, the, the, the coarse talk about her. She doesn't want everybody pointing at her. But you know what? When Jesus, when she gets this right with this relationship with Jesus, she's able to go back and into the very people that she was hiding from. And she says this, she says, come see a man, come see a man who told me everything about me, who knew everything about me, but still offered me this great deal. Could he be the Messiah? And, 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 and so what, what a great picture of, of just this woman being restored, uh, understanding rightly that all of these relationships that she had been pursuing were never really gonna do it for her. The relationship that she really needed was with Jesus. And when she found that, she then found the work and the purpose. She found her real identity. She was able to face up to the people that she'd been hiding from because she knew at that point that she wasn't her actions. 
that she was something much greater than her actions and she wasn't just the sum of her relationships or her failed relationships, but that she had been made new, that she had had an encounter with the Messiah and that had left her changed. So when it talks about this, that, 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 that we tend to chase these things and these things tend to disquiet us and our own solutions tend to leave us with problems that we never intended. Sometimes those can be financial problems because we're believing that if we just have these things that we're willing to go into debt for them on these huge scales because we believe that the, the payback for them will, will be great enough that it'll be worth it. But we only find ourselves frustrated and left in this spot of, of thirsting again and having to go deeper and have to get the, the newest, the greater thing, the better thing, the newer one, the newer model, all of these different things. And so when we get our relationship right with Jesus, we can just be quiet here. We, we can find rest for our souls. And our soul is just the idea too of, of, of our identity. It's that thing that makes you uniquely you. It's your personality, it's your, it's your emotions, it's your feelings. And when we're spiritually brought back to life and our spirit is awakened and quickened in us through our relationship with Jesus, through the forgiveness of the cross, through his shed blood on the cross, when we're brought, brought right into relationship with our creator, then we can have right relationships with our things and, and with our spouses or girlfriends or boyfriends or, or, or our adventures or our perspective on, uh, on these mountains that we all love, right? We can understand that, that hey, there's, there's, those are good, the mountain's great, but there's actually a higher calling in my life. There's a greater thing, and, and there's nothing I love more than to spend some time up here in these mountains and to camp and to hang out. But I know, because God has shown me, that, that there is a, there's, there's water out there that really satisfies. As a matter of fact, as the, as the disciples came back and they saw that Jesus was talking to this Samaritan woman, they couldn't believe it. And they were like, oh, Jesus, here, have a sandwich. Why are you talking to her? What's the matter with you? Your blood sugar low? What's the problem? Here, have a sandwich, Jesus, because I can't believe you're talking to this woman. And Jesus says, I have food that you know nothing about. My, my food is to do the will of my father. And then he goes on to tell them that, that, that there's a harvest that's coming and, and people have had planted seeds that, that they didn't have to plant and, but now they're gonna have the opportunity to, to harvest out of this great um, planting. And, and I th what he's doing is that the, 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 in John it says that all of the people from the village are coming down and I think that Jesus is saying, look, there they are. There they are, you're, you're gonna get the opportunity to harvest out of this harvest. You're gonna, you're gonna get to these very people that you don't wanna go to either. She didn't wanna go to her own people and the disciples, the Jewish disciples certainly didn't wanna go to the Samaritan people. But Jesus is saying, I'm calling you to everybody. And if you believe that, and if you live into that, you'll find purpose and meaning that you never knew was out there. You'll find fulfillment and sustenance. You'll never thirst again, and you'll never be hungry again because you'll chase the things that bring real satisfaction. 
the end of the psalm says this. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So let's be a people who from today and onward from today put our trust and our hope, our belief, our identity, our meaning, our purpose in the Lord above who created all of this, who made every single bit of it. It all came from the breath of his mouth and everything that we think is amazing and awesome and great and, and beyond our comprehension it is just, just a, a drop in the ocean to him. His understanding is, is, is indescribable and he has meaning and purpose for you. He has work for you to do that will bring satisfaction, that will give you purpose, that you'll find your identity in, and then will keep you rightly related to all the other things in your life. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your example. We thank you that you haven't left us as orphans, but that you've demonstrated and shown us how to live. You've told us where real meaning and purpose exist. And Lord, may we be a people who chase that with the whole of our being. May we go after all of who you are. May we, may we pursue you and, and may we emulate you and, and, and how you behaved in this world. May we, may we walk as you walk. May we see the world as you do. May we hear things like you do, Lord. And may we react in the way that you would react. Lord, help us as, a, as your church, as your people, wake us up, God. Wake us up and deliver us into and move us into the things that you have for us, into the good works that you prepared in advance that we might walk in them. What a privilege to get to walk in the works that the creator of the universe prepared for each one of us. We pray that it would be so, and we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I hope you can take a minute and, and just meditate. Allow that to sink in. Allow those things to quiet your soul. Spend a minute in meditation and in worship. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us. We are privileged to get to serve you and to get to minister to you and to speak into your life. We don't take that lightly. We're very grateful. Be blessed today, and we will see you next week.